Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Greatest F1 Team Hello and welcome to the final part of what has been a very special seven-part series where we've attempted to answer the question, what would the lineup of the greatest ever F1 team look like? From race engineer to team principal, lead, lead driver to chief designer, and even the rarely coveted number two driver spot, we've set out to build an F1 team made up of the best there has ever been. Uh, our in-house panel, made up of all of our F1 experts from across the globe, have all picked individuals throughout history that they believe are the greatest of all time. And in this series, we've been discussing the careers and the worthiness of the individuals that have made it into the top three for each job role. I'm Jess, your host, and today I am joined by James Allen, John Noble, Ben Anderson, and Roberto Kinkoro. So I reckon everyone will want to be a team principal given the personnel at their disposal, but what does the ideal candidate need to be good at and what makes a great team principal stand out? I mean, the key thing is is just being brilliant at, at all areas. Um, you can't just be strong in one area. You can't just be good at getting the sponsors in. You can't just be good at um, managing the drivers. You can't just be good at dealing with the politics. You need to be there across all areas uh, and keep things under control. Uh, and I think all our you know, top three team principals have all delivered this at their most successful peaks of their careers. Um, they've all led from the front. They've all stood out in the crowd and they've all proved to be, you know, a masterstroke in winning world championships. It's, 
unbelievably difficult to win in Formula One, even to win one world championship. It's been win multiple world championships, as all three of our finalists have done, is, is exceptionally hard. And it takes an awful lot out of them because it's like, it's like a bar of soap. It's always on the move. You know, it's just keeping hold of things. And then someone wants to leave and this person wants more money and that driver. To keep a winning team together is really hard. And then to motivate them to win again and again and again, even though it might look easy from the outside, oh, you know, these teams are winning multiple world championships, they've got the best car, of course, they've got the best driver. But it, just having the best car, just having the best driver, getting to that point is unbelievably difficult. So it's, I think that's why it's been good that you've saved this to the last of, of the series, really, because this is the ultimate role, because everything's like a fountainhead. Everything comes from the team principle. If you haven't got the right team principle, you haven't got the right chief designer, the right drivers, you haven't got the right anybody. People don't want to work for the team or with the right team principle, they do want to work for the team. So it's, it's fundamentally important and massively difficult to do well. Well, let's take a look at the person we find in third place as voted by our panel of experts from around the world. And it's got to be one of the most iconic names in Formula One that still carries his name to this day. That's, of course, Sir Frank Williams, who founded the team, his own team, in 1977 and was celebrating the first win two years later and remarkably a first drivers and constructors world championship in 1980 and they weren't to be the last of his wins he really is a motorsport legend isn't he yeah he's um he's the last of the mohicans really isn't he among our our shortlist um echoes of chapman enzo ferrari who came before um, obviously, who he competed against, a guy who's founded a team from nothing, you know, started by entering customer cars, then decided to strike out as a constructor. He was much derided early on in his team ownership. Uh, they called him Wanker Williams, uh, but he pressed on, uh, forged an amazing partnership with Patrick Head, uh, and they took that team to the very top. Um, you could argue that, you know, as time has gone on, um, Williams has obviously declined, you know, incredible success uh, through the 90s. And then they struggled to recapture those glory years with BMW in the 2000s, maybe some uh, strategic decisions um, went against them. You know, should Frank have given up more control to allow his team to modernise? Um, but you have to hand it to him. His team is still going. And, you know, Chapman's team, Lotus, they declined in his later years, Um Ferrari, you know, before his death, they weren't going through the best of times. It's very hard to stay on top, as James was saying earlier. Even to get to the top is extraordinarily difficult. So uh, you have to hand it to Frank Williams. Um, he's probably not the guy you would, you would want running our modern greatest F1 team, considering that, you know, Williams has been in decline for a while now and they haven't won a race since 2012 and they've only won one since 2004, but nevertheless a legend of Formula One and somebody that we should definitely acknowledge. I think that Frank Williams is not only a fantastic team principal, he's an example of determination because when he, he started to follow his dream, he, he was not in a very good condition. He, he built his team from the ground. So uh, it was not easy to start. So he has to, 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 to fight a lot of problems because it was not easy, especially in the first couple of years. 
But the way he built a so big company in the motorsport, fighting with the big manufacturer, because of course the time also Ferrari was involved, the other official team was involved, is an example uh, of passion. When you need, when you really believe in something, and you spent all your entire life to follow your dream. Sometimes you sacrifice everything around you, also the the, the human relationship, because you are totally focused on your target. For me, this is an example for a lot of people. And I think now it's more difficult to find a, a person that every time is ready to risk himself, everything, just because he wants to, to, to see his dream realized. And the, 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 the sporting the target that he achieved was absolutely, absolutely fantastic. I think a number of people might be a little bit surprised uh, that it's not Ron Dennis. Uh, rather than Frank Williams. I think it's obviously, it was quite a finely balanced decision of the, this wide panel of all our F1 experts from, from across the world. But I think for me, what makes Frank stand out over Ron Dennis is one of the points that, that Roberta just made there, which is he used determination, I would say that, but also resilience, obviously coming back from his 1986 road accident to then have all the success that he had. But um, I think that also speaks about the way that he built a team and how empowered the team around him. And we mentioned Patrick Head, who's fundamentally important part of the success of Williams. I always used to say that Ron Dennis was the best and worst thing about McLaren because he was such a big personality. It sat, sat there. You couldn't really get away from that. Whereas with Frank Williams, it's I think the fact that he was sort of oversaw it all had multiple phases of success, which which is difficult over an extended period of time. But also the fact that people were perhaps better empowered in his organisations than they were in Ron Dennis's. In my eyes, is why he made the top three and Ron Dennis didn't. So Frank won't be running our team, unfortunately, and nor will the current FIA president, Jean Todd. Now, obviously, Ferrari has always been a high-pressure environment and that hasn't always led to success. And before... Todd became team principal, Ferrari had gone 11 years without a constructor's title and 15 without a driver's. He built the team that would go on to dominate the early 2000s. Just how did he turn that around? These Ferrari years were all viewed as, you know, the Schumacher glory years and how what a brilliant job Michael had done. But actually, it was all the results of what Jean had done to, to turn Ferrari around, to get rid of the old, you know, Ferrari mentality come into this new reactive racing team. You know, it wasn't straight away. It didn't come easily. Um, difficult early years trying to, you know, turn things around and get them going. But once he hit his stride, once they got that dream team together of Schumacher, Ross Braun, Rory Byrne, John Todd, you know, they pushed on and powered on. And, you know, it's a, a brilliant, brilliant era of Formula One. And through it all, Jean was, you know, a, a brilliant team principal. Um, you know, ruthless at times, unpopular at times. But through it all, his number one focus was winning. Uh, and at the end of the day, your job as team principal, the number one responsibility is victory. The rebuild challenge that John alludes to there is, is not to be underestimated. Uh, when he went there, they didn't have a gearbox department in Maranello in Formula One. It was in Surrey. So, I mean, there was so much work to do. I remember when I was writing biography of Michael Schumacher and John gave me a lot of, a lot of time and he was sort of showing me around what wasn't it, what wasn't there before he got there, if you like. And he said it was like a kind of creaking old building that had some wonderful architectural features, but basically had, all the interiors just needed to be completely refurbished. And essentially, that's what he did, um, starting just after he obviously his his run of Le Mans 
success, excuse me, with Peugeot, uh, and then building the team up from there, and then putting the right pieces in place. Uh, obviously, Michael Schumacher was a fundamentally important piece that, that uh, came along in 1996, and then Ross Braun in 1997. And although they added some extra personalities, that was the kind of the core of that team. And the, the way they operated was on a, a, what they called a circle of fear. So the principal figures, Todd, Braun, Byrne, Schumacher, Martinelli, that none of them wanted to let the other one down. And it was just this incredibly intense sort of group, a leadership group at the top, of which Schumacher was definitely part, that, that meant that they were always, always, always striving for that extra few percent. Occasionally they would cross the line. Occasionally they'd do some things that were, you know, not particularly popular, whether it's team orders decisions or some strange stuff like with black flags and uh, sorting it out in the steward's room afterwards and that kind of thing. But they were absolutely bang up against the limit of what was what was permissible and uh, and never wanted to let each other down. And I think that's what made that team so so unbeatable. I think that in particular, there are two points that, are, in my opinion, are the key points for the success of uh, Jean Todd. The first one that he was able to choose the right people. And uh, when he chose, as you said, Ross Brown, Michael Schumacher, Rory Byrne, a lot of people, that confirmed that was a very top class in his role. The second one is that he took the responsibility of everything in Maranello. That was a big risk because in case of a bad result, of course, he was the the, the, the first one to, to that risk to be fired. But he said, I am the team principal. I am the boss and uh, everybody must follow my rules. That is not easy in Ferrari because there are a lot of politics in the history and uh, it's a very crucial step. I think that uh, is the only way to run properly Ferrari. If you want to run properly, you must have the complete control of the team and that was Jean Todd was able to have and to talk. And he was also able to establish uh, a new culture at a long-established team, which is extraordinarily difficult to do especially when that team has gone through a long period of failure and an underachievement I think you could make a really really strong case for Todd being the number one choice for for team principal it's very very close run thing um a great hit rate you know almost almost 100 wins I think in 14 seasons there um you know he set the template really I think for being a modern team principal in charge of a monolithic organization hundreds of people disparate departments trying to bring it all together while dealing with all the politics um perhaps you in the final reckoning hold against him the fact that you know he's in charge of ferrari they have a special standing within the sport they had a veto over the rules um all these kinds of things um and of course when um rule changes did come up to threaten ferrari's hegemony at the uh at the mid-2000s point you know they did they did struggle uh, and didn't quite recapture their their former glory, so he couldn't he couldn't renew the team. Really, having established that that dominant run with Schumacher et al. Um, but nevertheless, you can make a really really strong case for Todd. I think if you want to try and analyse uh, what his special quality was, as Roberto was saying, I think it's that commitment. Um, in in, a, in the same way as Ayrton Senna was was a sort of the ultimate example of commitment as a racing driver. I think it's the same it's true with Todd that. Whoever he's working for, whatever badge he's got on his shirt, whether it was Peugeot or whether it was Ferrari or whether it's the FIA today, he would go through a brick wall for that organization. You know, he wasn't the owner like Frank Williams was the, the name above the thing. He was always an employee, uh, but he was an employee. He would, literally would go through a brick wall to achieve what he wanted to achieve. And that's what made Todd special as a team principal. 
But that's not quite enough to lead our team because our team principal has actually bettered Todd's run of five consecutive drivers and constructors titles. And of course, we're talking about a certain Mr. Toto Wolf. Mercedes has now won the past six championship doubles and Toto Wolf has been the man overseeing it all. And okay, the team took advantage of the new power unit regulations in 2014, but through all the rule changes since then, nobody can seemingly manage to end the run. So what makes Wolf just so darn good? I think it's the way the, the, way the championships have followed on from each other and new challenges have been overcome all the time. When, when the, the titles won in 2014, um, people put it down to, oh, they had the best engine, it was by far the best. This is what why they won the title. But as the years went on, as the rules were changed, as the challenges came up of drivers, of new era rules, you know, Mercedes just got better and better and better as an organisation. Um, no complacency. Um, Toto's got a management style that has allowed people to flourish uh, has kept the team very, very consistent, has brought the best out of people. Uh, and I think it's those those qualities, that ability to, you know, harness the people he's got, manage them in the right way, uh, get a very unified team is what I think just puts him above the rest right now. What surprised me a lot is that Mercedes looks like a magic box. I mean, uh, James Ellison was fired by Ferrari and the Mercedes is doing a fantastic job. The same happens with Aldo Costa, was the same story, fired by Ferrari, and then Mercedes did a fantastic job. What surprised me a lot is the relationship inside Mercedes. It's, Formula One is a world where people is constantly under pressure. But I think Toto creates a system that, uh, for me, is difficult to, to explain, it's difficult to understand, but he creates a system where the people is in the condition to give their 100% without politics and without stress. That is something that consent you to introduce new people and to replace people, but with no effect in the result. It's not one main show. He creates a system. That, for me, is what the, the best quality and the best part of the job that Toto did in the last 10 years. He's got this um, line, I don't know how to design an aerodynamic surface, but I know everything about the guy who does. And I think that's exactly right. It goes back to what Ben was saying earlier on about culture. Obviously, Todd had to come into Ferrari and adapt a, a long-standing culture to be what he wanted it to be, a sort of an iron fist. Whereas with Toto, obviously Ross Braun had done a lot of the establishing work of building up that team from bridging from Honda to Braun into early days, Mercedes. But what Toto did, and when you get a chance to go beneath the surface and see this and talk to him about it, is he brought a combination of like modern psychology German military tactics and all sorts of other things together into this management style where there is a no fear culture. You know, they don't blame the person, they blame the problem. They've got an answer for everything and everything that they do, they just do it better than everybody else. Now, if you look at Toto and how he's aged and how he's gone over the last sort of six or seven years, it's taken a lot out of him. And that's why it's interesting at the moment to see, you know, what he's going to do next and how much longer he'll carry on doing this for. Because, you know, he's obviously an ultra high achiever. Um, but what else has he got left? What else do his ambitions contain? And I'm fascinated to see that. Uh, I, I think it was very close between him and Todd as to who's the greatest ever F1 team principal. But just for creating the sheer depth of, uh, of culture, um, I, I think he, he edges it. I think the only criticism you could probably level at Toto is that 
this thing that James alluded to, that he kind of inherited the team um, in a way that Todd didn't. But that said, he also supercharged Mercedes um, through the hybrid era. You know, he's made much more of what is there. He's created this culture, as we said, of no fear, but also of accountability. So every employee there is is able to express how they feel about how things are going without fear or favour, and then they can attack those problems and improve them. Um, you know, they, the fact they've been able to sustain their run through two significant rule changes over the last few years, I mean, that's that's unprecedented as far as we can see. Uh, and his hit rate of success beyond the, the fact that he's got the, the six and six compared to Todd's five and five, you know, Mercedes have won something like 92 races in seven years with Todd at the helm. You know, that's uh, that compares to Todd winning a 99 in 14 years. So um, incredibly efficient uh, in terms of winning. Um, and he also manages all the other things. You know, he's he's good on the politics. Um, he's a, a good front man for the team. He manages the commercial side. He structured that team in a way that makes it not too dependent on the parent company Daimler. Um, for its sustainability. Uh, and another key thing is that he's been able to get the most out of um, his star driver, Lewis Hamilton. You know, um, Lewis has got better and better with Toto at the helm. And, and Lewis speaks really highly of Toto, as does James Allison. They credit him as the best boss they've had in a Formula One, and that speaks volumes. The other thing about Wolf is that he, he wasn't, doesn't have a background as a manager. He, he was an investor. Um, and he was a shareholder in Williams. He got the opportunity to become a manager at Mercedes. And obviously, he's had to evolve his management style, you know, in the job from the get-go, winning world championships, where obviously Jean had many, many years of managing Peugeot teams, et cetera, et cetera, before that. And I think that's the most remarkable thing about, about Toto Wolff is, is that he, you know, he taught himself to become a manager literally whilst winning his first world title. Also had the varied experience of dealing with different types of drive relationships you know you've had the the kind of equal number ones of Rosberg and Lewis where you're trying to control two drivers gunning for the world championship who are totally at loggerheads of each other dealt with the controversies the the Monaco uh, escape road incident with Nico the Spanish Grand Prix in 2016 when the pair collided the subsequent collisions he's dealt with all that but then he's also managed to utilize you know the arrival of Bottas the fact it made Lewis a bit more comfortable and rather than allowing Lewis to, you know, back off and get into his comfort zone and not be as strong. He's actually used it in a way of getting more out of Lewis. They had that long winter chat in Toto's kitchen where they went through, you know, their relationship, what they thought of each other. And it's lifted Lewis to a new height. And I don't think we've seen Lewis better than he is right now. If we could put it down to one thing, or is it simply a the fact that he seems to hold many skills but I'm really interested to know if you had to pick one aspect of Toto's personality or management style that puts him head and shoulders above the rest what would that one element be? He's a psychologist (laughs) he knows perfectly how to approach the people in a different way I think and that is a uh, is a very good quality especially in Formula One when you have to to, to work with a lot of people. Every people is different and uh, he knows how to approach every, everything in the best way, everybody in the best way. And uh, at the same time, another big quality, I think, is able to predict a little bit the future. So yeah, I think at the moment is uh, the best in principle because he is able to know before all the other rest of the field what is going to happen. And this is another very good quality for a team principle. 
the human psychology side. It comes from also having he's a, quite a significant intellect. You know, he's a very, very bright bloke, and he he's never satisfied with anything. He's always trying to learn some more. I've seen him in various situations where he's drilling people for information about how they manage this situation. You know, other CEOs, people from uh, I've spent time with him and Dave Brailsford at an event once the boss of the cycling that's won all the Tour de France's and he was drilling in for information about how he keeps the team on the bubble and always ready to go again for the next year's Tour de France and that kind of thing so it's just that relentlessness I think that is what marks out any great in our sport whether you're a driver or a chief mechanic or a uh, a race engineer you have to always be seeking more you have to always be relentlessly looking to improve yourself and everybody around you and, and i think um you know that's 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 what it is with him yeah he shares that same trait with lewis hamilton you know it's easy well it can happen that when you're on top you can get complacent you, know, you could you could back off john was talking about this earlier as well you know with nico rosberg out of the team suddenly after 2016 how lewis could have almost coasted perhaps but Lewis stays on it. He keeps trying to get better. He almost chases, as he describes it, ghost cars when he's out on track. And I think Toto is uh, of a similar stock. You know, he's he's never satisfied even when they're winning. Uh, he's always looking to improve, looking to stay on top and, and crush the opposition. And it's that relentlessness, as James said, that uh, stands him apart. And it seems our winners are pretty pleased that they've been placed in the positions on our greatest F1 team, because once again, we have a message from the winner. Let's take it across to Mr. Toto Wolf. Hi, everybody. First of all, I would like to say thank you to all the Motorsport Network journalists that have participated in the voting. And I must say I'm very humbled to have been elected the best team principal. When, when I'm looking at all those names, um, Jean Todt and uh, particularly Frank Williams, they were role models for me. Frank's stamina and resilience is incredible. And I was able to learn and watch from him whilst I was at Williams. At the end of the day, we are all just figureheads for the team. Every single individual in the team deserves that credit. And this is why I would like to pass on this award or this prize to everybody within Mercedes who has helped to make us win races and titles. I'm also very happy to see many of my teammates um, having been elected in the top three, Ron Meadows and Bono, two guys who are friends uh, with whom I share a very, very strong bond, as well as Ross, who I've been on the journey with. And, and of course, Lewis, um, who has won the title as the best driver. Uh, as you know, Lewis and I are very, are very close and seeing him come out on top. Uh, so we've won the team principal and we've won the driver. is great. So thank you very much. And again, you know, the strength of the Wolf is the pack. So this is a prize for all of us, for everybody at Mercedes. And thank you again for the vote. Well, I think it's safe to say that our team is in rather good hands and he completes our lineup. So we now have Pete Bonington as our race engineer, Adrian Newey as our chief designer, Stefano de Melicali as our sporting director, Ross Braun as our technical director, Sir Sterling Moss as our number two driver, Lewis Hamilton taking the lead as our number one driver. And of course, we've topped it all off today with Toto Wolf as our team principal. 
good luck stopping that lot, I think is safe to say. But do you think you could have put together a better team than our panel of global F1 experts? Let us know your lineup in the comments. Thanks ever so much for joining us on this special series. Uh, look out for more special series coming your way across the Motorsport Network channels. Uh, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Goodbye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.